Hey, happy Monday, April the 17th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. I am joined tonight by the one and only Mr. Pat Hazel. You guys are going to have a lot of fun. You're going to laugh. This guy is freaking hilarious. If you don't know who he is, well, we're going to we're gonna talk to him about who he is and some of the cool stuff he's done. So here we go. Let me bring Pat on. Pat. Hey. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Uh, this is how I like to spend my April 17th every year. I figured. <laughs> I mean, why not, right? Hang out with me. So, so, and we're going to have the great Steve Rizzo join us here in a little bit too. But um, Excellent. I love yeah. Steve Rizzo. Steve is, he's, he's one of my best friends. We're going to find out when he gets here. We'll ask him. We'll give him the best friend quiz. I said, I told him that you, what you said. And I go, he just laughed. I go, I felt like I was on an episode of Seinfeld all of a sudden. <laughs> like, but he is, he's my best friend. Well, how's, how's your friend Glenn Morshaw feel about that? I know, right? Well, Glenn is definitely one of my best friends, if not my very By the best. way, if you say one of my best friends and there's more than 10 or 12, <laughs> you're then you're a teenage girl. I'm sorry. There's there's a hand. I mean, you're a likable guy. So first of all, I don't want to take anything away from your ability to have best friends. But you get to have like one of your main bridesmaids and then the others just they're willing to pay for the dress. So just get Put your language together so people can understand oh you. All right. That is too funny. Well, there's Jose Garza. He's one of my best friends, too. And yeah, of course. <laughs> By the way, anybody who comes on here is one of my best friends, too. Um, this is a better Monday night than I've had in a lot of Monday nights. Uh, well, so I, just so everybody knows, first off, Jose, thank you, Jose, for sharing this out. That is very kind of you. Um, second... Anybody what? Oh, hold on a minute. We have another special guest. One of my very best friends, <laughs> Steve Rizzo. Oh, finally. You know what, Steve? You're the best friend he needs because you're dynamic and you're fun at a party and he's a dud. So, you know, <laughs> when your best friend comes around, you know, he keeps things alive, lively. <laughs> so, Pat, how are you? I'm very good. And thank you. I'll, we're going to keep our best friendship, you know, Nobody yeah, let's know. do that. Let's let's ignore him for the rest of the evening, and you and I will just wow. have a good time. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, good. I'm glad you're here. Oh, look at that. Uh, it's good to yeah, be here. I'm glad you were available. Yeah, man. Well, actually, I was uh, across the street from my favorite Italian restaurant, and um, I was sitting there at the bar, and he called. And, uh, of course, as soon as I picked up the phone, I said, what the hell do you want? He did. That's how he says he that's literally how he answers when I call. But then he told me he was going to be on with you. I said, I'll be right there. Now, by yeah. the way, I'm having a super flashback to the early days of the improv when I see this brick wall behind you. Uh, you know, that's you know like what? a comedy club flashback because I don't know why the firing squad look was what every comedy club went for. That's right. But, you know. I guess it's the cheapest backdrop you can have in show business. I did it for that reason. I, I said, this looks familiar. That's so funny. You know? And I said, let, let's, let me bring back the old times, the good old days. He said the firing squad backdrop. That's hilarious. Well, 
you know I, what? It's a, it, it, it's a perfect it's a perfect uh, uh, definition for it because you know when you're on stage, sometimes it's like the firing squad. Right. I remember a comic. Can't remember who did it, but on a Christmas Eve at the Melrose Improv against that brick wall, he patted the wall and said, "This is a Jewish fireplace." And I go, and I no because they it was sealed up so Santa couldn't get in. Like it was just a wall all the way to the ground. So the idea was there was nowhere for Santa to come down the chimney and come in. Of course. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. So, cool. so um, I want everybody to know that's watching um, because they may leave if you guys aren't funny and they already know I'm not a comedian. So. Um, well, I know that that's for sure. <laughs> And, and the fact that Steve had his own Showtime special and Pat's been named one of the five funniest guys in the world on Showtime. And I was thinking about that. I'm thinking, well, why am I not? They just didn't, they didn't know. Or you're, by the way, you're, you're in the top three funny people on this show tonight. <laughs> I would you know say. what? I have to agree with them. I really do. Oh my God. It's undisputed. You finally made it. Hey, Randy's wow. here. Randy. Rock on. Randy. Now we can start. Yes. So yeah. I want everybody to do me a favor real quick. I'm going to pop this thing up here. I bought this for Pat. I bought this domain, patvotes.com. Listen, I got to tell you something. I, I love you, Pat. It was, I went to voteforpat.com is available as well, um, but it was a thousand dollars. And I said, I don't love him that much. Oh, wait. So putting an S on the end was the difference? No, vote, vote for Pat. Oh, vote for Pat. All right. Well, tell them what they're voting for. Because well, it sounds like I'm. It doesn't even matter. Just go vote. I'm kidding. No, no. So, this so, is. Look. Yeah, so here I'm gonna share the I'm gonna share something up. And I don't know if Rizzo even knows what we're up to, so uh, maybe we'll clue him in so it doesn't seem like a '70s game show where I, he has I to told, guess. I told I told I told uh, he, he told me, and 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 you know what I I got to tell you, Pat, it's well deserved. You got a you got a great show. There really it is. Good. So uh, everybody go to patvotes.com. Yep. And and. And look, Eric V. Flanoy says, I am a comedian at heart. So it's That's time nice. for you guys to recognize. Anyway, um, creativity in captivity. I already voted, so I can't go vote again. But go over here and vote, and let's push Pat's. Pat, uh, by the way, and before we get too far down this road. <laughs> and by the way, just so they know what they're voting for, this is a podcast that I yes. that I do. And Steve, I don't know if you've ever had a, a honor like this where they nominate you for an award and then the way you win is all your friends and family have to vote for you, like a student <laughs> council popularity contest. But, but but it's really awesome, though, that, that we were even recognized to as a podcast in the areas of creativity and marketing. So that's what we're voting on. And yeah. there's, there's like three days left, and we're – Deeply in second place, so we're racing to push somebody off of the tower in this well, thing of the mountain. Pat, I, I, I got to tell you, and it's not just because I know you're. It's a great podcast, I and mean, you have some incredible guests. You really, really, really do. And I, I was honored when you were on my podcast, and I think that was the second week I had the podcast, and I wasn't organized at all. Oh, you I were great. I, it was fun. Oh, uh, but oh, you were great. You were great on it. But, you know, you know what it's like when you're first starting a podcast, no matter how much you did stand up or anything else. It's a totally different arena. You know, it's yeah. a totally different forum. 
And um, and I, I had you on the show, and you did such a wonderful job. And I just started uh, watching, listening to your show mm. uh, from there. Man, you just—it's just—it's so cool. It's just so cool. You should win. Oh, I appreciate it. Well, nonetheless, it it is. We've got about a hundred episodes up now, and it's a, it's a free library of creative conversations, Ken, for your any of your regular folks or whatever, if they're interested in any part of the arts, writing, comedy, directing, choreography, something, there's somebody there, which to me, as you both know, because you do this frequently, you get to be in that seat of curiosity where you get to ask questions, you get to learn whatever you want to learn. And in, in, a, in a strange way, it's sort of like broadcasting from your, you know, teen line from your bedroom, because, <laughs> you know, people, well, people get to find out what you're curious about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, I mean, you've had Seinfeld, you had Jerry on, you've had one of the funny, I thought one of the greatest, not just funny, but it was a great show was, um, with Jason Alexander. Oh, he's good. Yeah. He's, he was talking about what it's like to be on Broadway for eight shows a week and, you know, how the, there's a certain amount of glory and a certain amount of like really hard work and hoofing it to the theater and, you know, yeah. doing the same show every night. Um, yeah. I just, Steve, you know, Nate Bargatze, he's a comedian yeah. from, so oh my God. I, I had him on and just not, uh, I think it was yesterday, he was at in uh, Nashville, the big hockey arena there. He just broke the record at that hockey arena, 19,000 plus people. And he was doing it in the round, um, an amazing thing. But like literally that's, he broke the record for attendance at the hockey arena uh, for, for his, you know, concert yesterday, wow. which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 about a month and a half ago, maybe Glenn Morshower calls me one evening and he says, um, Hey bud, what are you doing? I said, just hanging out and, He's like, uh, Carolyn, his wife, Carolyn and I are on our way back to Dallas. Um, we were we were just at up in Wichita Falls, Texas, at a Nate Bargatze show. I said, shut up. He's my favorite comedian besides Pat and Steve. Right. And one of your best friends. <laughs> no, not yet. Not yet. I got to have him on my show. And he's untouchable right now. Right. So. Get in line behind 19,000 other people. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like, I got to wait till he becomes old and irrelevant, and then I'll get him on my show. <laughs> but like, no, I... By the I, way, that, know, Steve, is a slight to you and I. I, I was just going to say, you mean like Pat and I? Yeah. Hey, you know what? I should, I should just leave right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I'm more irrelevant than you, Steve. So you should stick around. <laughs> No, I'm more irrelevant oh than God. you right now. You guys, so, it, no, anyway, so Glenn, like, got some kind of a special invitation backstage, and 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 um, I guess Nate and, Nate and him exchanged numbers, and I'm like, all right, dude, leave your phone laying on my desk accidentally, you know. One, one of the great parts of the story, and I don't know if you ever met Stephen Bergazzi, his dad, but Stephen was a magician and a uh, comedian, party clown guy. Like all his life, he did that stuff. And somewhere along the way, Nate put out an album that he called Raised by a Clown or something. And he's got a picture of his dad in his regalia, you know, from when he, and, and, and Nate's next to him. So he has made fun of his dad in his comedy along the way and told stories about his dad was a magician and his dad had the Easter Bunny 
uh, in the car coming home from a mall gig they did where the Easter Bunny had his head off, you know, like oh, oh, yeah. Nate was a kid. Like, so he's been doing all this stuff. Well, now, all these years later, you know, Nate's popularity has been really rising over the last five years, and his dad is opening for him. And not only is he doing a great job because he's really funny and really great, but the audience now sees this living character that they've learned about. Oh, that is oh, great. It's so oh, great. Cool. Yeah. And Steven is so proud of his son that he, when he, he's like the last act right before he comes out and, and without fail, he talks about how proud he is and he almost goes into tears oh, <laughs> and, wow. and the audience is so sweet. And then Nate comes out and goes, who was that guy? You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, it's a very, it's a really, really great family to, to deserve this success, you know? Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard anything like that. That's oh, pretty cool. It's great. Your retirement package is built right in if you can get a talented kid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really. Wouldn't that be sad, though, if he found out it wasn't his kid? <laughs> <laughs> I think he'd still give him the endorsement, you know. I'm sorry. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Jeez. That is so funny. Look, we got Kellen Ann on here. She's we know that. All three of us know that name. Hello, She's Kellen Ann. Voting every day. By the way, you only get to vote one email per one email. So, you know, don't create a bunch of burner emails or get a bot or anything. But thank you for voting for Pat, Eric. I appreciate it. I really, really do feel like this is a student council. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm running and the two of you are my campaign managers and that we... We're hand drawing posters, yeah. and I mean because that's what it is. So hey, you guys need to grab your phones, both of you, grab your phone, and go to my Facebook page and share this to your Facebook page. Okay, I already or, did. All right, oh, let me you get. Did? Yeah. Oh, thank you, Steve. Uh, you know what? I don't do anything while instructions, so I appreciate that. All right, so I'm going to my <laughs> Facebook page. All right. What's then, more of all the, the, the thing about it if it's not his child? Wait, uh, uh, you already put it on my Facebook page. I put the, the one thing, but you got to share the live video. If you share the live oh, video. Oh, okay. Because so I go to the arrow. <laughs> this is, Talk about old and irrelevant. <laughs> like people are literally watching an old guy try to figure out how to forward something on Facebook. Okay. You just go to go to my Facebook yeah, yeah. page. I hit share to Facebook, right? And then click share. Not Public. not the graphic, the, the video itself. The video. Oh, you know what? Live video. Pat, yeah, that's yeah. Great. That's what I yeah, that's, that's what I'm a doing. great okay. title for a comedy tour, old and irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we'd have a we'd have so many people with us on that tour, Steve. <laughs> you guys you guys took that as a dig at you that's terrible wow okay happening now i'm going to put happening now and this always helps free beer what really would have been funny if he said go on facebook and we would have said what's facebook right what 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 are you doing what's with what's with the facebook (laughs) okay i i did it uh, do I post? Okay, right I post on. It. There you go. Okay. We get, now, I, I hope we don't get any kind of uh, lawsuit, but I did put happening now, free beer, naked people. So okay. awesome. just, just No, that's perfect. Promote it like that? some I'm, kind I'm of naked. Netflix special. I'm, I'm naked from the waist down right now, so we already started. I, <laughs> oh, jeez. Not that you guys I, need to know that. That's hey, pandemic Pat, press I got to tell you, 
I got to tell you something hilarious, and then we're going to have Steve demonstrate it. But first, let me be your pimp and tell everybody to go to patvotes.com. Somebody type pat, www, put the www in front of it, patvotes.com into the comments. So it's clickable from the comments. Oh. If you don't put the www in front of it, it will not be clickable. So put it in the comments for me, please. So so here's the deal. I'm standing at a a Steve Rizzo and I are at this this thing here in Dallas. I don't know a year. It's ago, a thing maybe. that the best friends go to. Let's say. Yeah, I mean, right? We hang out. You know, this is who we are. <laughs> but but like, so we're standing there, and he's he's like got all these voices he can do. And like Dangerfield and all, all the greats, was, right? Was, was that the part after the show and me, you and Glenn uh, Marshall yeah. and everybody was yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Glenn's there and, and some other people. <clears throat> and so, so, um, so I said, he's doing, um, I forget who you were doing at the moment. I think it was Dangerfield or something. I said, I said, dude, you're so funny. I said, can you do, can you do Seinfeld? <laughs> I looked, I never did Seinfeld before. Never. I went, what's wrong with you? I can't do Seinfeld. You're crazy. You're crazy. What's wrong with you? You're telling me to do something I can't do. I can't do that. <laughs> the key to me, the key to doing Seinfeld is that you personify something. And the doorknob is thinking, you know, why are people grabbing me by the back? You know, or whatever. You know, yeah, like exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh my God. That's so funny. Yeah. I can't anyway. do Seinfeld. Oh, look, guys- we got. We got well, two Pat votes, people. Eric and uh, somebody else just did it. So hey, now, can, is it? Does it update live? Like, can we see the the results? Oh, oh, I, that's a good question. I'm gonna I, refresh. I, I tried really, really hard not to go check it every day, and then I realized there's just a couple of days left, and we are, you know, yeah, somebody's in first place, and we are lagging well behind. But we're in second, so we got to. We got a chance. I think with the with the Ken Walls posse, I like to say anything is possible. Not only that, I'm Sicilian. I know people. Okay. okay. Some people and are going to knock on some people's doors. I just want you to know. And I was born in Jersey, so I'm just I'm saying. Just saying. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, uh, no, but I mean, if just Ken's best friends vote, we'll have a ton. Yeah, both right. of them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, we've established that that's sort of like being a vice president at NBC. Like everybody's a vice president at NBC. It's you know, I mean, that's the first thing an intern. You know, we're not giving you a raise. We'll make you vice president. You know, that's hilarious. I've heard that actually. Okay, yeah. Kellen Ann, look, she's got the update. Percent you, twenty percent, twenty-seven the other. It all adds up, doesn't it? <laughs> Hold it. Is it what were you before this? 21. The same. Yeah. So yeah. It, I don't know right. how it works. I would guess that there are five people in this thing. So somehow it totals 100, you know? Huh. Interesting. Come on. Go vote. Go vote. Vote, you bastards. This don't is a non, a- by the way, this is a good way you can feel involved. It's nonpartisan. This has nothing to do with uh, taking sides. No. We're ju- yeah. We're, we're, we're just taking Pat's side. Right. So, <laughs> that, that is true. Well, but yeah. it's good, though. It's good because these other people are losers. So take Pat's side. <laughs> not that I have an opinion about it. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm not judging. I will so, say. So look, 
You guys need to tell jokes or something. Like people hey, you know, you're laughing. Wait, I've got something jokes. for you. I want to share with Steve. I don't know if you know this because you've got your conversations with Bob, which is worthy of a mention, right? But I think you might appreciate this. Uh, I, it's just outside of my sight line here by my desk. Uh, I created a product a while back, which was Last Supper TV dinners. Okay. And it Last Supper TV dinners is a TV dinner for for 12 people, right? Oh, oh, God. oh my God. Out of one, right? <laughs> So the deal, yeah, it's great. So it's it's uh -oh. little tagline right here. It's loaves and loaves and fishes without the doves, uh, without the stoves and dishes, right? <laughs> so, oh, that is hysterical! Oh my yeah. lord, have oh. mercy, heavenly it's not, it's not sacrilegious. It's sacrilegious. I like to say. <laughs> That's oh funny. God. That's really funny. Order by midnight and get this shroud of Turin tablecloth. You know, there was a whole campaign we made. It but. Hey, hey, and you know what, Ken? When you when you were talking about, uh, you know, uh, Pat's Showtime uh, uh, credits, he was on The Tonight Show, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, really? A lot <laughs> of times, right? Yeah. Were, hold it. Were you? Well, I only did it. I did it once with Johnny, which to me oh. was the, that was the big goal, right? That's, when I was yeah. a kid. If there was a guy I watched and wanted to be like it was Johnny Carson. So that was every comedian back in the day wanted <laughs> right. to do that. They right. didn't and care was, about anything else. He was so good at it that it was kind of effortless. He was a great monologist. He was a great interviewer. He was funny in the sketches. Like he had kind of the best toolkit of anybody. And he always made the guest the star. Didn't matter what, you know, he always elevated the common person or the celebrity and he would let them get the laugh, you know, and he knew he could get it from the reaction. I had a, a very fun, strange thing last summer where I helped produce a, uh, I, I helped produce a salute to Johnny Carson. And I went back and picked out some of his favorite variety acts that were still vital, you know, so we had Jay Johnson on and we had the woman from the San Diego, uh, animal the, the animal park who had been on with 90 times with johnny and so she came and we showed all these great clips of you know the the marmoset on his head and the you know like all these hilarious things and she talked about you know how johnny was just so good reacting to those things whatever would happen you know there was a thing where she had this giant snake and it coiled itself around his leg and the tail came popping up between his leg and it is, it's worth looking up on YouTube or something because wow. Johnny's just petting the snake going, oh, if only, if only, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was his brilliance. I, you know, you're talking about it. Last night before I went to sleep, I had my laptop on my lap and I'm watching Johnny Carson YouTube, you know, the, the history of his shows. And, and I'm thinking this guy was just a, what you call, I would call a simple genius. It was such simplicity. And you're right, Pat. He gave his guests... He gave them that that free that freedom to be the star of the show. He especially when he had the comedians on, he allowed them to do their thing. When Rodney was on, he just let Rodney Dangerfield go. Right. When Robin Williams was on, he said, "Just do what you need to do." And he yeah. always had perfect setup questions right. to get them on the roll. I mean, when you look at it in in perspective of that of of how brilliant he was like that and humble at the same time. There will never be anyone like him.
Yeah, I really, I mean, and he did influence everybody that influenced us as well. So people like Letterman and other folks that came along into that seat were all, you know, Johnny was sort of the guy to be like, right? Yeah. So even though Man on the Street and some other things have been done before it, I think it was kind of mid, Johnny's Midwesternness and his naivete. Like he could really play both sides of politics and he could do all kinds of things because he was very, uh, he was very savvy. And if he had a common person on a spelling bee champ or a, or a woman that had potato chips that looked like president's heads or whatever crazy person was on, he would, he wouldn't mock them. He would let them kind of create their own gravy of being funny and interesting. And then he would just roll his eyes or look the other way, or, you know what I mean? Like he knew exactly how to keep them in a, in a, a comfortable place and yeah. really to elevate yeah. them. So uh, I, I think our, another thing of his brilliance too was, is that when he did his monologue and the joke bombed, he was funnier then when the joke bombed than when it worked because his pause, his, his look, his will, uh, you know, his it was the little adjustment of the tie. Right. I can tell you this, and this is a insider secret, but I thought that was so funny that I began when I was younger writing recovery jokes to get out of bad jokes. Right. Yeah. So, so when I went to Hollywood and they were jokes like you're looking at me like the last pick in gym class, right. Uh, or whatever. And so I was doing those and Jerry Seinfeld said to me, those are getting a laugh, but why don't you get rid of the shitty joke? Um, and then you don't have to do the recovery. Jo- like, like yeah. I was so busy writing recovery jokes. I kind of had to have something go bad to use them. And he actually straightened me out. Like you're capable of writing good jokes without recovering. If you stop writing recovery jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, even, even back in the day, then when you would watch them, you know, back then TV, you had to be super clean. Yeah. But there was some really close moments where he went over the line. Did you remember the one with Josh Gabor? Oh, yeah. With but I don't cat? know if that's 100% true, but I've heard that story. You can tell I, that story. It is. I, I, I saw it. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's uh, She has a Persian cat. She brought the cat with her <laughs> on, on the set. By and, the way, and, let's have Debbie close her ears because I saw Debbie's name pop up. All right. Yeah, Debbie. The Debbie's and, and, worse than Steve. And she's petting the cat. <laughs> and she's petting the cat, the Persian cat. So they're talking, and Johnny keeps looking at her petting. And she goes, um, Johnny, would, would you like to pet my pussy? And the, the audience goes crazy. So, of course, Carson has the best timing of anyone. He waits for the audience to die down. He goes, yeah, I'd love to if he just moved that damn cat. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, my gosh. That's funny. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, I do remember. But I feel like I just saw a recent clip, and maybe this is worth the investigation on YouTube, where somebody, who it was, maybe Jane Fonda, or somebody was on with him following that at some point, some years later, and they tell him the story and Johnny goes, not sure exactly that's exactly how it happened. But, but anyway, I, yeah. I, I, I'll go find it. It's worth a yeah. laugh. Yeah. Hey, uh, I, I'd like to interrupt you guys for one second. Well, we don't want to be interrupted. We have, we have, hold on. Let me, those people can ask questions. Those cool people we know can send. Yeah. Send questions. in if you have any questions for Pat about, about Seinfeld and and all the all the and the 
So I, here's why I'm interrupting because there's new people joining. And I don't want them to leave okay. without voting. You got to go to patvotes.com because what we're doing here is we're helping Pat get <laughs> to number one. If you go over to create, go over to um, click on patvotes.com, go over and you'll go, you'll see creativity in captivity, right? Move, move, move your head for a minute, Pat. There it is. You'll see that logo. Click and vote for Pat so we can get him to number one. Some other loser is I'm now kidding. that remember how we're doing this. We're trying to be classy. I'm uh, just kidding. It and then good. the Webby Award, I guess. Uh, what is the most surprising fact you can share about Jerry Seinfeld? Oh, all right. Good question, Debbie. Yeah. Uh, most surprising fact. The web back. To, well, let's finish up the Webby. Okay. Award. Uh, all right. I we'll come. We'll be. Caller, stay there. Stay on the line. We'll get back to you with the answer. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up after this commercial for patvotes.com. Ken, go ahead. So it's for the Webby Awards. And and Pat is trying not to look like he's running for, um, you know, some kind of high school class president sure. thing. But um, he kind this of This is for the kid with the best, most web toes. If you get this award... <laughs> It's a person with the most skin between their toes. It, it's it's an award. It's a it's a it's a very prominent award. Actually. Tell them what the award is, Ken. I don't think a lot of them it's, know. It's it's I don't know really. <laughs> All right, it's, <laughs> it's the best of the internet in one category in some small thing. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know either to be honest. But it's you you win an award. You you got you know, but you have to be first place, right? Right. I There's guess so. No, are there any second place trophies? No, well, I'm not sure about that for the Webbies, but yeah. I will say the real winner, regardless of how you vote, it's anybody here that goes over to the podcast and and you know signs in because and maybe this is a good question. We're coming back to you, Debbie. You know, we're paying attention. A secret jury sign. He says, post. "How do we vote? Go to www.patvotes. I set that up." Yes. I was going to get votefor.pat.com but that was $1000 to buy that domain and I just said no. Um so go to go to patvotes.com that'll take you over to to the page and then vote for creativity and captivity. If you have an email and an index finger you can do it. Yes. I it's, think it's easy. No, no. <laughs> Not one of those New York sorry, index fingers. Sometimes. <laughs> Not a New York index. <laughs> This is the index finger in New York, Pat. You know that. What the hell's the matter with you? I do. That's the welcome to New York. <laughs> hey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How you doing? Uh, well, all right. So let's. Uh, I will get into some uh, interesting. I don't know so many super personal things about Jerry Seinfeld, but well, give uh, give us something. But I'll give you a couple of funny times or moments when I was working with him or traveling. But one of the things I remember was the autographing this was kind of early in the show and you know these autograph hounds they come and these are pros they're gonna sell resell this stuff or whatever and backstage somebody came back and they had like four or five pictures or posters or something spread out where they were like one inch apart and they came up to him with them sideways and said hey can you sign all these and he signed across all five one signature and then said, yeah, get your friends together and you'll have one autograph, right? Like, it was hilarious. Like, That's pretty funny. so well handled, considering yep. that person thought they were going to sell four mm. or five of them and keep one for themselves, yeah. you know? Yeah. Oh, my God. 
That is hilarious. But I was, I, when I worked on the show, which was very early on, I didn't work on the pilot of Seinfeld, but my partner, Matt Goldman and I had written a play and we got the first two jobs on there with, with Larry, David and Jerry Seinfeld. And I just remember how lucky we felt um, being in on the development of it. So we were there when the theme song was created and we were there when we, when we had to name this little inside story, Debbie, the coffee shop, which was called Monk's which kind of became famous. It was an exterior of a New York diner, but it, we were trying to name it early on. And every name we came up with, what somebody at Standards and Practices or NBC said, we can't use that one. There's already a restaurant by that name. They may sue us. They, you know. So the rule was there had to be, you know, more than one of them or something, or, you know, they had to be confused. So we, hundreds of names, hundreds of coffee shop names, Every one of them declined, declined, declined. And the room we were in, there was a Thelonious Monk poster on the wall. And Larry David just got so frustrated. He's like, monks, try monks. And they came back. Yes, it's monks. Like, we're like, we were so happy to get anything that we're like, that's it. You know, monks. Um, in those early days, there was a lot of that. Like NBC did not want us to use Kramer's real name, which was based on a real guy named Kramer. And they were like, can't do it, can't do it. And I go, well, what if we get the rights to his name? And they're like, how are you going to do that? Larry was a neighbor of his, so it was oh, like, he, he goes in the other room, he calls him, and they say, you can offer him $1,000. So they offer this guy, Kenny Kramer, $1,000 for his name. And he goes, what about 2000 Right? In total Kramer fashion. And Larry comes back in and we're there with the executives. And the guy goes, no, absolutely no, no way. And I go, are you kidding me? That's the end of the negotiation. Like pay the 2000 and let's move on. Like, you know, you're NBC. This is ridiculous. Right. You know? right. Um, so that same Kenny Kramer, who in New York has done the real Kramer tours and stuff like he'll take you around on a bus and show you all the locations and take you where the soup wow. Nazi was and all that. Yeah, it's become quite a now that Netflix is also showing all the sh episodes. It's yeah. it's really just fantastic. So yeah. let me ask. Uh, I have a question that I know the entire audience is sitting there thinking they just don't know how to ask it. Right. Um, well, go I'm to patvotes.com. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What you're Definitely. asking? Yeah. If you haven't gone to Pat, if, first <laughs> off, if you don't plan on voting for Pat at patvotes.com and going over to creativity and captivity and giving him your vote, why are you consuming this content? That's and, and folks, you got to see the podcast. It's, it's, it's really unbelievable. Well it's, it's got, we have some incredible guests. And, and you know, I know everyone that's on here now, I'm looking at all the comments, you all know people. Yeah. yeah. You know, when, when this is over, just tell your family, your friends, your wife, your, your children, whatever. Oh. Do. Thank you. Definitely will There's work. nothing better than an aggressive New York salesman out front <laughs> to tell you to go to padboats.com. <laughs> you're a good, but no, you're wait a good a salesperson, Steve. And don't make me come over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Uh, so, so, all right. Kellen Ann likes, she said it was a fabulous podcast. What was your favorite episode, Kellen Ann? Because we have had some good ones. And I have to tell you, Steve, you've been through this because you start one up. The first panic you have is who do I have on first? Yes. Like, who do I get to do this thing? Right? You know, my podcast is in the top 10% in the world, right? I did not know that. 
And you didn't just, know that. It is. I, I did not know, but I knew you would tell me. I, <laughs> I, I figured it wouldn't be long. I'm out of here. You guys have fun. Oh, wait Excellent. a minute. Now, this is everybody better. vote for Ken, too. Yes. <laughs> I don't think he... Do we vote for him? We already love him. How many best friends can one guy? There's so much love going your way. Oh, you couldn't. Know. So all right, there's new people getting on. Go to patvotes.com. This is for me. Don't forget about him. This what is up, for man? me. Go over and do <laughs> vote for him. It's okay. the, the the creativity and captivity podcast, as you see right behind his head. Go over to patvotes.com, click on that. Enter your email and submit a vote for him so we can push him. My guess, this, this with topic. all this excitement, we'll be in first place before we get off this thing. I, I hope so. I mean, my yeah. God, let's go. Um, so here, I have a question. I have a real question. Um, the, the writing process. Okay, so I'm very, I'm a control freak. When I go to write something, I, I have a hard time asking chat GPT to write something for me, but I do. But, but like when I, I don't want somebody else looking like my wife, I'll write something. She's an editor, right? She was her college newspaper editor. She's brilliant, but she'll go, you you know, no, no, you don't put the thing there. You you put a comma over here and you put like, what, what are you doing? Stop. Like, I know you're, we're losing the context of what I just wrote. Stop. Like it now it sounds stupid. And we, we You're get, saying that to your own wife, the editor? Well, I know. Basically, you almost, calling me you, stupid. You almost <laughs> sounded like Seinfeld. What's wrong with you? I don't care about comments. I'm trying to write something here. No, but okay. So Ken, Ken is such a control, control freak that he thinks that the I and AI is him. <laughs> that's that's what he thinks. Oh, my God. That was yeah. good. So, so, but, but I, seriously, when you're writing, like I think about, um, I mean, so many episodes, I love the one, what was the one where George is, um, the, the woman sitting at the bar and, and, and monks and, and, oh God, what was it? It's freaking hilarious. I forget. Anyway, when you're writing one of these episodes, you've got other writers you're dealing with, right? Yeah, but oftentimes, work? but oftentimes, one person or a couple of people who might be a team will write the episode. Right? There's there's a process of uh, pitching the notions and being assigned a thing and going off and writing the first draft. And when it comes back to the table, everybody's you might round table or pitch something or tag something. You know that process is great in sitcom land to have that support and uh, you get you know get other people you know, contributing, especially the more people who know the voices of the characters and that sort of a thing. Um, but there are so many of those episodes that are based on a real moment, a real observation, a real insecurity. Um, you know, I mentioned the soup Nazi. There's a real guy that yes looked like that and acted like that and who they would, you know, go around the corner to get soup from. So that was not, I mean, it was barely exaggerated. And I remember in the very early stages there were four of us working at, it was before it went on the air. It was called the Seinfeld Chronicles at that time. And the reason it didn't end up being called that was that there was a show called the Martian Chronicles, I think. And, and it didn't do well. And NBC, I guess, thought the word Chronicles then suddenly had stink on it. So it's like, we'll just get rid of the word. But, um, you know, the, there was a moment where 
Larry David got a phone call from friends and he, they were having the contest, the famous contest about not satisfying yourself was a real thing happening. Well, he was on the West coast and Jerry and Matt and I were at lunch with him. We're like every question we could think, why, you know, your friends are cheating. You know, they're not, they're doing something. They're not telling you. He goes, no, no, everybody's honorable. And it wasn't until a few years later that that became an episode, but you know, you can, you can track Larry David's life all the way through curb your enthusiasm, whatever, you know, he was married when there were married episodes. He was divorced when there was divorce stuff. Like his life becomes, um, you know, uh, where he mines for gold and that's just for being kind of alert to everything that's going on around you. He exaggerates it and he kind of amplifies the selfishness, but well, that's the key. Yeah. Was it, was that the, was when Kramer walks in like three seconds later, I'm out. Right. (laughs) That was the contest. That was so And, And I'll tell you what was so amazing about that. They pushed the boundaries of what could be done at that moment by staying away from the word masturbation or staying away from certain words. Yeah. And, they couldn't stop them from doing the episode because they had so cleverly written around it. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's just like the episode when that woman thought they were gay and they were thinking, well, how can we say we're not gay without thinking there's something wrong with it? So they came up with that line. Not that there's anything wrong with it. (laughs) Every time they said, we're not gay. Not that there's anything wrong. They they made sure that they said that every single time. Right. That right. was a brilliant, that was so funny. And, uh, you know, because of what we do, we're well aware of why they had to say that little disclaimer after. Yeah. And I would say in the days of doing late night television and so forth, there are boundaries. There, You know, there's certain boundaries that the networks won't let you do. You're not going to say the F word. You're not going to say certain things. And it, 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 there were actually times like the word jip was a word that I had in my Halloween routine about getting lousy candy. It's a word now that, you know, there's an awareness on just as the word retarded and other words have become words that we're more mindful of. And, and we, we look at differently. Right. But when you were a kid, you said a lot of this stuff without thought, you know? And so some of those words are a little hard to replace in your act, right? You can't just change the word because it, it, the intonation of how you, what you said on your bike to your friends you know, is where the humor is. And then you just have to be clever. Yeah, Steve. No, no, I'm agreeing with you. That yeah. I'm, I'm feeling that same thing because when I went from stand-up to becoming a personal development speaker, I used a lot of routines, but I was pretty blue when I did stand-up. And I was trying to, how can I shift those words into another word? And it's amazing how one little word can either diminish or catapult a, 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 a bit. Yeah. You know, you know, it's funny. I did a nativity scene, a nativity scene routine uh, that was about essentially my mom hiding the baby Jesus up until Christmas day. She would always like, cause he wasn't born yet. You have to wait till his birthday. You put him in the crib. Right. So she would hide him behind a couch leg or under a, you know, throw rug or whatever until that time. So I was doing this routine and I remember maybe it was in Oklahoma city or Tulsa where they said, uh, you can do anything, but just don't uh, don't mention the word Jesus. And I go, well, he's the main guy in the story. Like, like I can't drop the character out of the story, you know? And they're like, well, couldn't you say something else? I go, there's not really a replacement for that word, you know? Uh, especially regarding it being a baby and being in a nativity scene. So, you know, 
it, like you're going to recast and you know what I mean? Like, I didn't know what are we going to take my little pony and put it in there? You know, it's not oh going to happen. God. So, <laughs> Um, but they do that. They often will ask you corporate events or something. will ask you to do something, but change something. Or can you yeah. just put the name of the company in there? It's like, no, because it's absolutely not funny. If I do that, it's yeah. product placement at that point, you know? Well, when, when people don't get funny, it's hard to explain that to them too. Why can't you change this word for that word? And and I'm going, no, because that word is what kills. It's that last <laughs> right. or two words is what kills. And the other word that you're telling me to, to switch to is not going to be funny. Right. It's like the difference between the gravy boat and a gravy train, yeah. right? Like they're both modes of transportation. But, you know, if, if you're going to catch the gravy train, you know you're going somewhere good. But if you try to catch a gravy boat, it's going to be a mess, right? I, so, yeah, yeah. It's that I, exactly. simple. No. I, I remember when I started out in the business, I remember Jay Leno, when we were talking, and he was talking like, you know, the way he talks like this. He goes, sometimes it, you just change a word, you know, you just change a word. If you, Rizzo, listen to me, I'm telling you. And he was right because he took a bit, and I forgot what it was. It was a bit that I was using. I was saying gun, and he said, change gun to Uzi or something like that. And, and it just, and and not only did I word use the word I I animated one like that and it just for some reason it clicked every time with every audience a little shift like that and a lot of people don't don't know that about the the artistic uh, um, manipulation that comedians use for words and stuff like that. Yeah, I will say the person that that. When I was younger, I realized it so much about was George Carlin, because George Carlin is great with words. It's almost like poetry. It's a little musical, like the rhythm of the sentence, the choice of the words, funny, like all of those things come into play. And I, I would say equating it, not necessarily sentiment, but in terms of poetry, it, there's a universal theme and where you place the words, how they sound, all of that makes the difference about yes. making you feel something. Exactly. And the element of surprise in comedy is often about the twist or the moment where you use that, those strong words and they aren't, they can be simple words, but they're just the right word, you know, just so right. Just is there, is there anywhere in this conversation that you guys can think maybe we could send people to patvotes.com? God, go to patvotes.com. Come on people. Yes, and vote for joining. I'm begging you to please go over to patvotes.com. It'll take you to this page for the Webby Awards. Pat's Pat's Creativity and Captivity podcast, which is unbelievably good. He's had people like uh, Jason Alexander, who was George Costanza on Seinfeld. He had Jerry Seinfeld. You've had all kinds of people. Steve, were you you were on there too? On where? I was on Steve's. I was on oh, Steve's. Oh, you were on Steve. Okay. Yeah. Like he's had. But Steve should be on. There's no doubt. Yeah. 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 I, mean, I, I may call his best friend and see if he can talk to him about putting him on. Yeah. Um, never mind asking his best friend to be. So anyway. Um... Yeah. By the way, I saw Kellen Ann did report back. She said she liked the Frank Oz episode. Yeah. And she also liked the Fran Bigelow. There, they, there it is. So, you know, Frank Oz was Jim Henson's partner and yep. is the voice of Yoda and Miss Piggy and all kinds of things. But he he was great. And, and there it is. Finally. Jeez. Yay. Debbie, go okay. away. Tell Deb. 
You tell him, Deb, Debbie is my best friend. Debbie is my co-host on, on my podcast. Yeah, now. Oh, yeah. I saw you on Debbie's podcast, though. I, I stumbled across, uh, what's oh. the name of her podcast? Find um, it. Find it. Find it. Yeah, I saw that she had on the hilarious Steve Rizzo. So this is like a one one big family reunion now. It, it really is. And she yeah. hasn't had the great Pat Hazel on. That's unbelievable. Well, I'm still, I, I'm in second place. She has to wait until I <laughs> till I win on patvotes.com. By the way, so everybody understands, find it. Thank you. Don't forget it. I didn't oh, say forget it. You can tell it. she's picking. She's oh, got my attitude. Oh, that's her right tag. There. I see. Yeah. Oh, my um, God. But no. anyway, so let's go to patvotes.com. Okay. Which, by and, the way, Ken was very savvy. The long URL they had, oh. which was the Webby Awards something slash something dot dot it's, dot something, you know. Uh, and so right before this, what do you call this? Facelift.com we're on? Face, Whatever. Uh, this FaceTime Live. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He was he went in and purchased this, you know, now for a lifetime I can get your votes. Just go to patvotes.com and then That's find the Creativity and Captivity podcast. One vote for your email, and it's one and done. And find it. Could, don't forget it, way, I like to say. Pat, you could go go to GoDaddy and buy um, no, no, no. votefortpat.com. It's only $999. I will, in, in the next political campaign, we'll go there. We'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll misuse some funds. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Um, patvotes.com. Thank you. So, yes. and, and if you would put that in the comments with the www in front of it, that makes it clickable directly from the comments on social media. And then maybe we can get kenrocks.com. And you know, I already own that. Oh, oh you do? <laughs> <laughs> no, but no. for cheap, we can get kenrocksinthehead.com <laughs> just for a few dollars less. <laughs> All right, Steve, I want to go back to a question for you. Early right. early days of comedy, too. Yeah. Uh, because some of those places, what was like the late night? Do you have any memories of those when you would get the, the after midnight spot and face those audiences at some of those clubs in Hollywood? Oh, yeah. That's, that's when you get the hecklers, the drunks. You get the whole thing. Um, and actually, that's one of the things I was noted for when I did stand-up was dealing with hecklers. Uh, when I used to perform at the comedy store, you know, you know, you know, as well as I do, Pat, that a, a lot of big superstar comedians would come up and try their material for when they're going on the road again. So they go on, but it didn't matter who was on when someone was jumped by the last show on, at the comedy store. Man, you, you can't you can't stifle these hecklers. So Mitzi, you know, Mitzi Shaw, who who owned the, you could, you could hear her in the back room. You'd see her smoking her cigarette with the cigarette hand going, tell Rizzo to go on. He'll deal with them. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Rizzo, Steve, don't take any shit. For, but no survivors, no survivors. Oh my God. That's funny because I will say this. I went on a few times after some of these people, when people are at the height of their fame and they get a, kind of an inkling that they need to go work on something. They just walk into the improv and Bud Friedman would throw them right on. Yep. And then, you know, Robin Williams would do 45 minutes and then Charlie Flesher coming off of um, Roger Rabbit would come on and do 45 minutes, you know, and then, Seriously? You know, yeah. And yeah. you'd watch your spot go from, 9.45 to 11.45 to 12.15. I hated that. Oh, it was the worst. And then oh. 
then Charlie or Robin would walk out of the room parading with everybody behind them out of the street. And, and, and the worst thing, if Robin Williams came in and you were about to go on and Robin would say, I just want to do 10 minutes, he would be up there an hour and a half, right. you know, and then you got to follow him. Right. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane, yeah. you know, and 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 he would come back after he goes, sorry, I guess I went a little over. And it's like, <laughs> you know, I, I, I wanted to hit the guy for crying out loud. Right. <laughs> I remember, by the way, my act is pretty squeaky, right? I'm just sort of a Midwestern guy, do a lot of nostalgic material. And I remember, you know, nobody in L.A. knew me. And I thought, you know, maybe I need to be dirtier to get more spots. Like this was like my mentality of be what they wanted. And I remember writing a joke that had the F word in it, which I think we can say on, I mean, the F word here, right? I, so not, yeah. my you're not a had the F word in it. You're not a fan, I know, Ken, but I'm just saying this was my I'm idea. I'm not, not a fan. No, but but it was funny. I had written a children's book. That's what the premise was. Oh, but I had written a children's book for uh, uh, kids with Tourette syndrome called Where the Fuck is Waldo? Oh, God. And I know it's funny to even hear it come out of my mouth, but I said it, they kind of laughed. And then I was like, I looked at the, they, they just knew it wasn't me. Right. So, it, yeah. and as I was walking off stage, some dirty comic says, give me that joke. I go, what? He goes, you're never going to use it again. I can tell. <laughs> he goes, it's a great joke. I'll take that. You know? So I was like, please have it, have it like, take it away from me. I don't, it, to me, that's like having a bad tattoo. I didn't want anything yeah. to do with it. No, but, that is a funny line though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at the yeah, at the time Waldo was everywhere. Well, yeah. the thing is, the thing is, if a comic comes up to you and says, Give me that line, or can I have that line? And you say no, you know they're gonna use it anyway. You know that. Do you remember your first joke that you wrote? Like when you knew it was a joke? Oh wow. Holy shit. Wow, that's a great question. Holy shit. I mean, I I, I recall being, I don't know, maybe I was twelve or something like that. And it was just what what occurred to me afterwards is that it was formatted like a joke. So I had a Mr. Potato Head that got run over by a lawnmower and I called it Mr. Hash Browns because it was scarred up on one side, right? And and I after I said that to my dad and he laughed, I was like, Oh, that's a joke. Like I just birthed the joke into the world. You know, I, I you know, I don't remember that, but I do remember when I thought I was going to do stand-up. I think I was 12 years old, 13 years old, and I, I always mimic people. I used to mimic my relatives, and uh, I loved cartoons. I had a, an infatuation for cartoons. And I was always – and I would watch TV in my living room by myself sometimes, and I would watch, like, Mr. Magoo, and I would say to myself, I wonder what he would sound like in this position or in that character or in this situation. And then I just started thinking, what would it sound like if these cartoon characters had sex? Oh. <laughs> so one day my mother thought, I thought she was going to send me for help. I'm in the living room by myself. Okay. I'm lying. I'm lying on a pillow. Wait, you got to listen to this. I, I, I'm lying face down on a pillow. And I'm watching Mr. Magoo and I'm thinking, what would it sound like if oh he had my. sex? So I'm humping the pillow going, oh, oh, my God, you've done it again. And as I'm doing that, my mother walks in and goes, oh, my God, what are you doing? And if you want to hear that routine, go to patvotes.com. <laughs> 
vote once for creativity <laughs> and captivity and that whole routine. No, but that is oh. hilarious, Steve. That is oh so, so funny. Oh, um, yeah. Now, I remember a – this is just coming back to me because oh. of that brick wall behind you. Oh, but I God. remember an ad lib that I looked forward to, like the first time I did it, fully spontaneous routine, um, which was the improv in Irvine uh, in Orange County. They had a big sign on the brick wall that said improv, and then below it, it said uh, comedy showcase and restaurant or something, right? It right. kind of described what it was. And I remember uh, me telling some joke about the four corners or something. And, you know, the four corners in where there's a unique place in America where Colorado, Utah, Missouri, and Vermont come together or whatever. So um, Vermont, Vermont, that's like not even, I know. So that's comedy by the way, Ken. So the funny thing was, the, the, the funny thing was that's the exact expression that a guy out of the crowd was like, no, that's not true. Like he was going to correct me. Right. That was me. No, was I know. Me, I was so, so the funny thing is I was laughing so much at him being so earnest about it. And then I looked behind me and I saw the sign, right. That it said uh, comedy showcase and restaurant. And I said, it's a comedy. And I underlined the word comedy show for showcase. And then I went, case you didn't know, right? So it was comedy show case. And then I got to the restaurant and I go, the rest of them enjoying it, you aren't, right? R-A-N-T. And I mean, it came out of nowhere and it was like a three-minute laugh. And I was like, I have to book myself at this club again. Like, this is my ticket to fame is to get some idiot to say something and yep. me to have this sign behind me, right? Look, can't say Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I love, I love Steve. I, I don't know if Steve can even tell this. What? It's so this, the, the, the time that you dealt with a heckler um, with Eddie Murphy in the crowd. Uh, yeah, I really, I, I don't know if this will be cool to say on, on, on this. Probably uh, not. All I know is I dealt with these adult porn stars in the audience <laughs> back in the eighties, you know, yeah. Amber, Lynn and all of them and Ron Jeremy. And they're like 13, 14. They were wasted. And all I know is I ripped them a new <laughs> asshole. That's all I know. And when I, what I said to Amber Lynn, um, uh, all I heard and it was because I knew Eddie very well because we were both comedians from Long Island. You know, I, yeah. I was about 13 years old in it. Well, I'm still 13 years older than, but uh, it's funny how that <laughs> worked. And uh, uh, I remember the line that I said, the audience was absolutely going ballistic. And as the audience was dying down in the back, I heard, and I go, Eddie, is that you? And it just cracked the audience up. There was a standing ovation because Eddie Murphy was in the back of the room laughing. Look at Nick's compliment here, uh, Steve. Uh, he had a, had a rough day today, so he really needed this show tonight. So, that's you know, right. that's Good. why we do what we do. I really, Absolutely. honestly, there's nothing greater than to leave people with some great upbeat feeling and, you know, laughter they say is the best medicine, but I really do think from a stress relieving standpoint, Steve, you talk an awful lot about this, I think in your work. Yes. And, um, and, and you're, you're, I remember hearing about your humor being, uh, did you write a book or is that, was that a speech of yours that you were? That was my, that was my first book becoming a humor being. Yes. Right. Right. And one of the, uh, 
taglines for my company is that we are your humor resource, humor resources department. Right. And because I work for ad agencies and I work for all kinds of people on the sly, adding humor into their product or directing a commercial or something. And it is interesting commodity that there are people who are good at a lot of things, but making something funny or making them retain the message becomes an important part when that laughter is happening for people to have those endorphins flowing is critical. And, and I imagine in the speech inspirational speech business, Steve, that you are, you're constantly conducting the audience between laughs and messaging. Uh, that's inspiration. Well, and and you, you know what? That's so well said, Pat. And that's why it works because I know you know this. The attention span of the average audience today is very minimal. And I'm sorry, what? Speaker, I'm, uh, it's very, <laughs> and, I, and I was going to repeat it, you asshole. Uh, <laughs> and, and unless a speaker has some kind of entertaining, captivating value, you run the risk of losing them, right? Yeah. As, as a matter of fact, getting back to the laughter thing, I remember that was the first spark that made me think that I may, maybe I should be doing something else besides stand-up because there were times when I was on stage and this is a weird feeling. And maybe you've had this experience, Pat, where you're, you're doing your bit, but your mind is somewhere else, but you're still doing a great job. You're just going somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I remember often thinking that these people are like in tears laughing their asses off and i'm going some of the people in this audience are going through some major problems right now maybe they're going yeah. through a divorce they're having financial difficulties maybe maybe they were a loved one or inflicted with some kind of illness but for that hour that i'm on stage their challenges and their problems didn't own them because mm. they simply allowed themselves to take time out to laugh and that's yeah. when I coined the phrase, laughter is the pit stop in the rat race of life, and that it gives you enough emotional fuel and repairs to get back into the race again. And th that was the first spark where I started getting into another aspect of humor is more than just laughing. Yeah, you know? I mean, I think, again, it's so, to me, um, it's the sweet spot, right? So if you do one-off jokes like, like, you know, like it's a bumper sticker or a bar joke or whatever, it's perfectly fine. But if you're going to make a living speaking to people, you have to have story, you have to have heart, you have to, you know, the, the stuff that stays with people or the reason people want to be a part of your bigger, you know, yeah. life is because there's an armature of uh, honesty and integrity and other things. So even if you tell a dirty joke or a story that isn't so great. It's coming from the real place. I have a very, very long routine in my new show about leaving my 11 year old in a hotel room. And it was when I was opening for Kevin Nealon on the road. And I was hesitant to tell it at first because it, I didn't come off looking good as a dad, but, <laughs> but the thing is he wanted to be, he wanted to let me go to the club with Kevin and he felt old enough that with room service and you know, watching a movie on his laptop, you know, and we went through this whole big thing about uh, the emergency calling me on my phone, which has an unusual area code from where I'm from, which is 985. But I had to, that, at that moment, leaving the hotel, I had to explain to him that you have to dial different to get out of a hotel. You have to dial, you know, nine to get out of the hotel first. And then a one for my area code, because we were out of town. And then the area code, like it was a big convoluted thing. Well, anyway, in a 
in a panic when he wasn't feeling so comfortable, he dialed nine to get out of the hotel, one for the long distance. He actually hit one again, and he dialed nine one one. And he oh, was old no. enough that he knew it, and he didn't want to get in trouble, so he hung up on nine one one. Oh, which no. created this whole big thing. And you know, I had told him when I left. You could put that little latch on the door and you do not have to answer it. And if somebody comes, you don't have to talk to anybody. So so when they came banging on the door, he said, I didn't talk to anybody, like you said. I didn't talk to you know what I mean? Like it created a stir in the hotel. Like it was a big, big thing. And when I am telling that story, there are people in the audience that remember not something they did terrible, but a moment where you think social services is going to take you away. Like your kid jumps out of a, a cart at Target and lands on their head. It's not your fault, you know, that your kid is a moron. You know what I mean? But but you got to go into the emergency room with that kid and, you know, and try to explain that he was trying to get a free cereal prize. And they're like, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know. So I love those, to me, those true stories where other people can relate to them. And there's a bond, you know, over, uh, like one time I, I, it was food, tooth fairy time or something. I didn't have any money in my wallet. So I went to my kid's own bank to get money to put under their pillow. And, you know, I, I fully intend one day to pay them back. But the, yeah. the point is that people go, Oh, I've done that. You know, I borrowed money out of my kid's bank to pay a pizza guy at the door or whatever, you know? Been there, right? Done it. I, 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 I think, I think the thing that concerns me about comedy now is that uh, we're becoming so politically correct, and we're stifling our laughter genes, our humor genes. And I have found that doing the speaking thing that I'm doing now, there are certain things that I was able to say a couple of years ago that some people are questioning. You know, I have a bit, and I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but I, it's a true story, and the guy in the toll booth in Manhattan looked at me and goes, would you like me to supersize those fries, my friend? And that's how we talk. <laughs> and, you know, I, I talk to other speakers. When you're telling a story, don't just tell it. Act it out. Become the people that you're talking about. If you're talking about your grandfather, don't just tell a story. What does your grandfather sound like? How did he walk? Right. Be that person. So that's what I was doing. But every now and then I'll get a, I'll get a client that saying you were making fun of people from India. And, yeah. and I said, no, I'm not. It's just like me doing an impression of Jack Nicholson or Sean Connery or Jerry Seinfeld. It's an yeah. impression. Why yeah. would you take that as ridicule? And uh, it, it, we have, it has become that bad in this business. Yeah. I think the deal is, is there's an interesting kind of sensitivity where some people are overly judgmental about what are those, uh, what are the people who are those people going to think? And surprisingly, oftentimes, whoever you're talking about wouldn't be the person offended. It's sort of somebody who's right easily offended that's being a surrogate for other people going, oh, you there, know, I, I, let me report you for yes, this. There right? is a there's a comedian named Mark Lundholm who's yeah, he's great. I like he's Mark. Freaking hilarious. Yeah. So he says uh he says it's inevitable because he's very he's very very raunchy very in some some of his bits and he well said, i would say he's raw like he's raw raw, he's raw yeah. in your face I, raw. I was raw i was yeah. raw when i did my stand-up yeah 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 <laughs> and he says he says it's inevitable after because he always stands out and shakes hands meets people he says every single time there's somebody from the crowd comes up and get um mark um could could i could i have a minute with you please <laughs> 
He's like, oh, fuck, here we go. And he's like, I go over and he's like, you know, um, you know that part where you were talking about the Cheetos and the, ba the bag of Cheetos? And, and well, um, I find that really offensive that um, you brought that up because, you know, when I was a kid, my uncle did this thing with these Cheetos and blah, blah. And he's like, you do realize we're talking about a snack right like it's a snack like to the rest of the world yeah anyway it's there's always somebody that's going to be offended and that's why i i man i just love raw and authentic and and you know well look at cheetos there are people who identify as orange and we have to we have to respect that right so oh jeez, do we we're supposed to honor his feelings <laughs> right. whatever it is yeah, right, right. I always Maybe. thought that every autopsy probably has Cheeto dust under the fingernails as one of the things because once you eat Cheetos in your car, Save which is it's not a driving treat, by the way, but you get out of the car and you're flocked in a giant orange snowsuit, right? Because that dust is like it multiplies faster than rabbits, you know? Oh, exactly. And no matter what part of your clothes that you touch, it's got orange stains all over. So Listen, let's let's get everybody. The, the reason that we're on here is um, Pat has an unbelievable podcast. Pat, move your head to the side so everybody can see that. Creativity in Captivity with Pat Hazel. He's had some absolutely phenomenal guests on his on his podcast. Let me ask you a question. Do you do it via video as well, or is it just straight audio? It's audio only. I okay. see them when I'm talking to them. I okay. use a thing called Squadcast. Okay. And it's great because it can separate the channels. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah. and we have great editors that do a really amazing job of putting this show out. Yeah. And sometimes, like this week, we have a woman that's a jazz vocalist, and she lends us a song. We're able to drop the song into the interview. Like, that's kind of fun. Makes things dynamic a little bit. Yeah. But, um you know, I found, and this was, people always go, why don't you do video? Why don't you do video? I said, you know, when I started this, which is two years ago, kind of in the height of the pandemic, I thought, I don't want people to have to worry about what they look like. I don't want them to do their hair or whatever, or is their bedroom messy or any of that kind of stuff. And also I wanted the intimacy of a phone call. So, yeah. you know, it's not any big secret that to get to a kind of a more informal thing, you don't, I don't want a promotional presentational style to my podcast. Right. So once I can get them feeling absolutely relaxed, they tell me all kinds of crazy, more vulnerable stories, things about imposter syndrome, things about, you know, you know, second album syndrome, whatever their thing is. And in a way it's transferable. So these are insights and inspiration for people who want to be a creator of some kind. So Steve and I happen to be comedians and writers and, you know, do material from the stage, but some people aren't performers, right? So I've had authors on that are humorous. I've had directors or, you know, people from Cirque du Soleil and people that, you know, really interesting to me, the people that I don't even know there's a job that you could do. There was a guy named Gary Staub and he was a, a sculptor that made full-size dinosaurs for science and history museums. And he's in the middle of America in a barn somewhere making a mastodon and then cutting it into 14 pieces and shipping it to London or getting it to the Smithsonian in DC. And I was like, my mind was blown that that's the guy's job. And how do you get that job? You know, he back kind of explained that he always liked art and he liked archeology, span liked all these things. And in college he got to make his own curriculum that 
allowed him to make up a, a, a degree that made him a uniquely positioned guy to have the job that he wanted. Right. Yeah. And now he's got a, you know, a barn full of, of things going on all, you know, for yeah. all kinds of museums all over the world. It's, it's, it's insane. And I love that part of it. I love that creativity is transferable, you know, that it, you can be good at this and then you can apply it to that. Right. So people, when they're cooking, you know, the strategy that they use that recipe is similar to, they might use as a producer in putting together a Broadway show because it's about the elements, right? It's, it, you know, I always look at it as a pipeline. So if, if you want to get, if you want to make a book, if you want to do something, there are steps of laying that pipe that get you to the result and that flows to the next thing, right? So, you know, some of it is certain amount of writing chapters that lead you there or raising money or whatever. All of those are just pipelines that are leading to the oil well, but you skip any of those. It's not going to connect, right? You're yeah. not going to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's the problem with creativity is a lot of people, get so caught up in the fame and not what they're trying to be creative about that they try to skip steps to get there faster and they wonder why it doesn't work. It is a step-by-step process and you got to do it from here, not for the money, not for anything else. And, you know, especially in show business, that's the big thing. People want to become famous, but the ones that are really good, I don't think, I don't believe set out to be famous. They set out to follow their hearts, desire. Mm. They wanted to do what needed to be done and they, they were dedicated to it and sacrificed almost everything else to do it. And as a result, they did get that anyway. That was just the bonus. That's the icing on the cake. It's totally true. And finding your own voice. So Ken was just sharing with you uh, that graphic. I've got two things. I've got the season five of Creativity and Captivity podcast starts on May 11th. But Pat and Mike Live uh, is an album that I've got coming out on May 25th. That's my first audio album uh of and it's not like a thing that you buy it's a digital it's going to be a free streaming thing and we're pushing to get it over on a sirius xm or something like that yeah jeez that's crazy you get you guys are so like i'm just a podcaster (laughs) i'm just a guy you're the pod father. You're the pod father of all. Oh, wow. You should use that. The pod father. No, now, somebody, somebody has to be using Somebody that. has it? Uh, no, I don't. They have I to. There's imagine. just no way that could. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it, Ken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I just say, like, everybody, seriously, I, I'm, I, I'm honored to even, like, have the opportunity to have both of you, and I can call you both friends. Um, Steve well, we, Steve and I friends. are friends. Yes. Yeah. Steve and I, Pat and I are very good <laughs> wow. friends and you can call us what you want, Ken, if it makes you feel better. That's good. I always love when he disappears under oh, the no. table. Oh, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, get up here. No, uh, Ken, everybody. Let me thank you, Ken. And you know, you do deserve an award and that is, <laughs> no, I, 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 it was super cool of you to suggest this. Like yesterday I said to you, like yeah. I was searching for one vote. I was like, Ken, <laughs> can you go vote for my podcast? And he's like, you are a moron. Like <laughs> you're writing each person individually. I go, yeah, I, I thought that's how you did it. Right. Well, there's a reason I'm in second place. So, you know, along comes Ken, the amplifier, right. Oh, and he pumps everything up and he gets a URL and he gets Debbie and Eric and all these other people on here that are trumpeting our thing, you know, and Robert, 
Robert. Robert. Robert oh. is the man. <laughs> he likes Nick, the Godfather. Nick. Nick, on. yeah, thank you, Nick, for coming. I don't know. Again, I never know if if six people are watching this kind of thing or what, but it's super fun to reminisce yeah. about the comedy days, Steve. And I always feel like in the stories are the lessons, right? Yeah. So, you know, the tenacity, I don't think I would have been as good of a comic in my lifetime if I didn't have some of those trials and tribulations where you realize, oh, it's not about, that one midnight at the improv where everybody walked out on me. You know what I mean? That that's how you build up that, you know, that skin that, that where you know how to keep your voice, you know exactly how to tell a story that keeps people around and you kind of earn your stripes through that, through yeah. every one of those steps. Yeah. It's, a, it is Mag, a Maggie says there's seven people, but listen, Maggie, you're only seeing one channel. We are on 10 different channels right now. Maggie's a big amplifier. I recognize that name. She's always, Maggie. she's already voted. I know that. Let's, yeah. let's vote some more. Share this out too. And, and what, before you share this out. Right. Vote for your Patrick. dead relatives. Vote for your dead relatives that still have an active email. I like to say. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Hey. oh my God. The guy's killing. Uh, He's even got dead people voting for him. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Wait, they, I'm channeling they claim, Rodney. They claim to be able to spot bots and and burner emails and all that. So we just want to be honorable. That's all. Yeah, that's all. Just everybody. Aaron Marshall, how you doing? Uh, okay, everybody, everybody, go vote for creativity and captivity. Um, go to patvotes.com. I made it really easy. Just go to patvotes.com. It'll take you right over to the Webby Awards page. Go down and vote for creativity and captivity. Yeah. Please. We Please. have three days to trounce whoever's in the lead there. And actually, I think I prefer seconds. If I was first, I think I'd be sleeping with one eye open like somebody was going to harvest my organs. You know what I mean? So <laughs> being in second allows us to, well, was that inappropriate? I don't know. What um, Seinfeld's line is, second place is, he goes, it's humiliating because you're the first one to lose. Right. No, you're the best of all the losers. Right. Yeah, you're, the best. you're the best of all the losers. Right. I, Nobody I, remembers that guy in second place. Right. So yeah. let's um let's 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 go vote. Okay, go and vote. Uh, and this is really a good time with Steve here, me here, Ken here. If you have a question about anything at all, anything about you know where to put your life savings anything uh no why well why not this is the one when are the three of us going to be doing this again I'm, tomorrow oh. at this time i know but um but it, you know i you know what's funny i did a, a valentine show and i don't know if i've ever told you this story ken but where i had people anonymously put questions on index cards in a box about love romance courtship anything they wanted now keep in mind i'm a divorced guy so i don't have any business answering these questions, but I, but I had a, a partner, a female partner. And at the end of our show, without having seen the cards, they would bring them up to the edge of the stage and we would close the show by answering all these questions. And my favorite was a guy wrote, can you tell my, can you tell me how to get my wife to do the dishes naked? And I said, uh, I said, put on some soft music, light some candles and draw a warm bath. When she lowers into the tub, boom, you throw the dishes in. You know? 
And I'm telling you, when you when you hear that come out of your mouth, you're like, okay, this joke is going in my act. Like this is, that is funny. I'm not leaving this joke for dead. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna just carry it with me. You know. Wow, that's a funny line. That so, is funny. So Pat, do you do like you you don't are you still you don't do stand up like clubs and stuff? Do I do. I, on occasion and kind of on special invitation or whatever. I was in uh, Colorado at the comedy works with Kevin Nealon, not that long ago. And I do, I, I, I feel like I do enough corporate things that are kind of stand up style, yeah. but most of the shows I have are theatrical and, and I've hybrided my show, the wonder bread years. I have a, a new 90 minutes called Pat Hazel's permanent record. And that may be coming to a town near you, but that one is really fun and sort of relevant given this knocking people off their pedestal time, you know, is that I hired a political opposition research company in Austin to look into me. And then I have to defend my record, you know, to the audience. And, you know, I mean, they, they literally go on Nexus Lexus and they, they scrub your Facebook and they go all these places. It's pretty terrifying experience. <laughs> And this, they do this professionally for senators and congressmen and CEOs of Enron and people like that. And I, I paid them to look into me. And I thought, geez, this is the biggest mistake. I mean, once I, I thought it was funny at first. And then I was like, oh, now I'm exposing parts of me that I never knew about. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. But it did make it relevant. And I will say afterwards, it's not just a comic farce about my permanent record hidden in a junior high file cabinet. It's about really the legacy of our character because our permanent record is now alive online in every form in Instagram, Google, YouTube, whatever. And you can't forget about it. Think you're going to get rid of that. It's not going anywhere. So the question is, how do you live with it? Right? How do you, how do you present yourself in an authentic way that shows that you're not what you used to be or whatever, you know? So it's about, you know, I guess giving yourself the grace to survive, yeah. you know, the past. Yeah. Yep. And we all have one. We all have one. I, yeah, I right. you know, what's funny. I, 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 you know, you guys know I'm like huge in, in technology. And so I have an Alexa device literally in every single room of my house. Alexa, stop. Um, literally <laughs> every room of my house. Please don't say her name. She gets, she's very touchy. Um, but like every room I, uh, in my house, let me see. Look, look, there's one hanging on the wall right next to me, right there. So, so I have one. By the way, you've ruined the illusion of the skyline with that move. I know. When you, I know. I know. <laughs> so, so you live on a ground floor ranch house, is what you're saying. <laughs> right? With the leaves are this high. And there's lives on a ground floor ranch house. So, so, so the, um, Steve actually lives in front of a brick wall. That we understand. Yeah, right. But like people are like, I won't have one of those in my house. No way. No, they spy on you. And I'm like, listen, first off, nobody's spying on you. You're not that important. They're not spying on me. I'm not that important. They might be spying on Pat and Steve, but um, but you know, if you have one of these devices. And they want to spy on you. They're spying on you, you moron. Like it doesn't matter if you have the Alexa or a cell phone. Well, I, I don't know. I feel safer with my cell phone. Well, that's just no, no. They're you know what? The funny thing is, to... the cell phone is like an ankle bracelet, right? Because they can find you 
wherever you are. They just triangulate whatever they find you in your car, at your donut shop. They can get within three feet of you when you have a phone. So if you think you're living in, you know, some kind of private life, you're, you know, insane. 1984, man. And and the the funniest part is we invite it in. We literally, I'm going to go buy a $1,200 tracking device that I can talk on. Right. Well, I, I figure if they're listening to you, have fun and just give them something that you want them to hear. Right. I, I'm always I, I have Alexa and I'm I'm doing all my impressions, all these characters having sex, and I'm wondering who's who's deciphering this. This, this, this what is this guy doing? Ah, he's humping cartoon Right. And that's the funny thing. There's some G uh, man somewhere going, I think Mr. Magoo's getting off right now. Yeah. Wait a minute, Bullwinkle's going, hey, rookie, watch me pull a prophylactic out of my head. And it's a big one because I'm hung like a moose. Okay, I've got an idea for you, Steve. All right. Well, you like to merchandise, so why don't you get all your characters and sell Mr. Magoo condoms, you know, Rocky and Bullwinkle, Viagra, you know, like, just, just... By the way, I, I don't know if this is appropriate, but the people who are listening are already past what's appropriate. But um, no, I want this is such a funny story, and it's it is a Viagra based story, but uh, it is about Tim Conway and Harvey Corman. And to me, oh. not two funnier guys in television. Oh. Like I watched them and grew up on them, and I love the Carol Burnett show, and I love the sketches. But when they cracked each other up, man, yeah. I oh. couldn't get enough of that. No. I just. Tim Conway would work them. He'd do a different in rehearsal and then different and make them laugh. And they would, you watch them turning their heads away, trying to keep from the camera seeing them, right? They're really famous sequences like that. But anyway, some many years later, easily 30 years later, they were doing a retrospective show about the series. And they were older guys, significantly older guys. And Tim Conway says to Harvey Corman, did you ever use Viagra? And Harvey Corman said, at my age, that's like putting a brand new flagpole on a condemned house. <laughs> I mean, it is like brilliant, brilliant comedy. That's you a know? great line. That is a great Because line. he's not, he's telling you everything he needs to tell you. But yeah. there's, you know, again, this is like the contest, right? Yeah. yeah. It's doing it in a clever way where, you know, if it's devilishly clever, it's better than if it's on the nose, you know? Yeah. That, yeah. So yeah. They, as a matter of fact, I think they did a, a show, an act together on uh, uh, in Vegas for a while. Yes, Susan Day. I do love the dentist sketch too. She just said the dentist sketch, that yeah. one with with uh, Tim Conway. Oh my God! Jamming yeah. the the Novocaine into his own leg, or whatever. I like when he did the old man, like the old fireman, Mr. Huwiggins, or whatever. Yeah, Mrs. Or no, Mrs. Huwiggins. Yeah, they Mrs. got the Huwiggins, boss. Yeah. You want to leave me? How many times I got to tell you, you were Mrs. Up at the Wiggins? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he he leveled me. Tim Conway was a favorite of mine. Oh, oh yeah, mine too. Absolutely. I was just best. talking about him yesterday. Yesterday, I think on the on the way back, he was freaking hilarious, Mr. Tudball. Yes, thank you, Maggie. Yeah, yep. Tudball. Tudball. Right. Yeah. So, all right, one more plug, and then we're going to call it call it a wrap here. Um, Go to Pat Vote www. Somebody put that in the comments. www.patvotes.com. Put that in the comments for me, please, with the www, so it's clickable for anybody watching. 
on the replay. Um, share this out. Please share this live stream out. Even if you've already shared it, go ahead and share it again just to annoy those people that you know there are people on your on your friends list that right. they get annoyed when you share too much. Annoy them. Right now is your chance. Annoy them. And everybody go over to to the link, the Pat Votes link, and go over and vote for creativity in captivity. So so Pat, we can get Pat to number one. We want him to win this award. When does the voting close? I believe it's three days from now. So okay. now, Ken, you're Mr. Technology. So patvotes.com will be alive for a few days, obviously, or in perpetuity. A year. I bought it for a year. Really? That's a little longer than we need. <laughs> well, I they don't. I couldn't tell GoDaddy I only need this for a few days. Yeah. They don't. No, well, thank you. When it comes to renewal, check in with me, and we'll see whether I'm running for something of note. You know, maybe once I'm a Webby winner, I will be, you know, I right. could then run for HOA president. Maybe. Yeah. Yes, that 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 could be next. So go to patvotes.com and make sure you vote for creativity and captivity. That is Pat's amazing podcast. And this is coming from a top 10% in the world podcaster. So yes, um, it's only because of sheer numbers. I've, I've interviewed over 500 celebrities and entrepreneurs so did you notice he did the window both wiper he washed us away but no but i'm pointing to both of you you're like up here two celebrities um but like honestly, celebrities was in quotes and had a question mark after it <laughs> a little bit a half of a question mark. Up I, started, now, okay? <laughs> I was like is it should i really put this question mark anyway so go vote everybody go vote and share this stream out to everybody. Thank that you. you know. We are going to make that number one person. Sorry they ever got in the lead. Uh, yeah. What a fantastic night. Steve, I'm so glad you could join us. It, it yeah. really is super uh, fun. This is my pleasure, man. Absolutely. As soon as he called me, I said, absolutely. I'm glad I'm here. And, he said, uh, of course, Ken. You're my best friend. I'll do right. anything for and you. He told yeah, that's, you. that's what I said. Yeah. And he told you, Steve, that I it was my make-a-wish and that I had 24 hours. Technically, I actually have three days to live until the voting stops. He, he said, Pat called me. He's really annoying. Can you do me a favor? Can you can you cover up? Can you cover for him? Because he can won't be funny. Because I don't think I can handle him by myself. Please. And I said, oh, right. my God. Well, Ken, you're like you're like the Ed McMahon of this show. You got that big, hearty laugh. Oh, 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 oh. I, I really, you know, I, I love the way you guys were talking about Carson as we were talking about my show, you kind of, I felt like you were comparing me to Johnny a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's dead. And uh, <laughs> yeah. So I know I'm just saying comparing you. Wow. Just a little. What, hey, was Carson smoking when you were on the show? Was he still smoking? Not when I was on, but he smoked. Oh, plenty. Oh, and by the way, before that, when it was a 90 minute show plus before they had brought it down, they were drinking on the show. They were, oh, yeah. you know, Ed was going across the street to the steakhouse and, you know, coming back schnockered. Like that was a, like a proper talk show of the day. You know, it was, yeah, it was so good though. Yeah. It Those was so raw. It was so good. It was real comedy. And he had the best stars. He had superstars, man. Oh God. Yeah. Can I tell you something else that was really cool when we did that Johnny Carson tribute? Uh, Doc Severinsen's still alive. 
you know, we, what? he, he's in the Nashville area or something and he's now finished. He's retired from doing gigs, but you know, the charts of some of those songs they played and the big band vibe and all of that, that was there because Johnny protected it. Like, they wanted to get rid of the big band sound, all that. And he's like, no, this, and you, when you hear the drive of that, when they play you on stage with that full orchestra, nothing like it, nothing like it, you know? So that was really, really smart. In fact, the reason we were doing this was that Johnny Carson, you'd love this, Steve, going to Jamestown where they have the National Comedy Center. Mm-hmm. They've put an immersive Johnny Carson experience in the National Comedy Center. So when you go in and go to the left, the first wing, they've got a whole theater with uh, Jimmy Fallon is uh, like a hologram of him hosting and talking about Johnny, showing Johnny's clips, showing Johnny's guests, doing a whole, like there's a big series of videos. And then a big piece of the rainbow curtain is there which is like, you know, it just wow. blows your mind. So that I would just say anybody that's, if you live in upstate New York or make that track, that's a high tech comedy museum where wow. they, they, you, they show you ever, they got George Carlin's archives there. They've got Carl Reiner's like archives there, Joan Rivers, the Smothers Brothers, all kinds of amazing stuff. It's a really wow. cool visit. Wow. So no, I didn't there, even know that. Is, yeah, uh, great. is Leno in there anywhere? Yeah, I mean, there's so many people in there, yeah. but it's getting to be where they realize now that this was Lucille Ball's hometown, and there was a Lucille Desi Museum there, which is still there, yeah. and it was Lucy's mandate that was, don't just remember me, remember all of comedy. So it's kind of our, you know, Hall of Fame, so to speak, right? It's yeah. our Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or our Baseball Museum or whatever for comics, and there's just some, they've done the technology so cool that if you want to look in through George Carlin's notebooks, they, they have the desk and stuff and projected on the desk in his handwriting wow. are his notes with his whiteouts and his crossouts and his, and with your hand, you can swipe through the pages of all of his, a lot of his notebooks and stuff like that and see it in his writing. So it's not like one of these fuddy dud museums where there's dishware behind a glass case you yeah. know, there's, there's personal a, stuff. It brings them to life. huh? Yeah. And there's a comedy, they call a comedy karaoke room where they can, you can pick out routines and do them for your family. The jokes are on a monitor and you can pick out your favorite Brian Regan thing or Jim Gaffigan thing, and you can pre- perform for your family. So there's, there's wow. a lot of interactivity there. Wow. That's so awesome. Hey, Scott Smith. How you doing, brother? Um, listen, everybody watching, please share this out. Go over to patvotes.com. Vote for Pat's Creativity and Captivity podcast. Trying to push him up to number one. I don't know who this, I don't even know who this other one is. Does not look like it belongs there. Um, no, no, we like them. They're a silver winning podcast. That's what we like to Number say. two or three. <laughs> um, we just need to get everybody to go to patvotes.com and go vote for creativity and captivity. Please, if you can't do it for Pat, do it for me. If you can't do it for me, do it for Steve. Right. Um, if you can't do it for any of us, do it for just because, you know, you're a good do it. Do it for comedy. Right. Comedy. There you go. And and please enjoy the hundred plus episodes of Creativity and Captivity when you're driving, when you're cooking, when you're doing something where you want a little bit of fun. Uh, They're not hilarious. It's not a comedy 
podcast, but they are very insightful and there's a lot of really great people like Pete Doctor, the chief creative officer of Pixar. Uh, there's so many people there that talk about animation. I don't know what, you know, it's- well, No matter who you have, there are life lessons in all of your interviews. Yeah. It's this thing yeah. you, you learn about, you, it, it, it affects you somehow, even though it might not be what you do for a living, but it, there's, it's, plus you're really so good at interviewing. You really but, are. You, yeah, you, I mean, really is. It's like, it's, it's. You ask, you you ask really, really good questions, man. It's, yep, it's, yep. It's really, and, and honestly, I felt, you know, uh, it, it, you don't talk a lot about Seinfeld, but um, I mean, you were like the first writer Seinfeld hired you and your, you and your part, your writing partner. Right. And you were there the entire run. And, and the one, I don't know, when I listened to you and Jerry on the, on, on that, that episode, I felt some sort of nostalgia. Oh, I did. I did. I I loved it. And with Jason Alexander, it was just and Jerry, I don't even remember what it was. Jerry, he shared something about note taking or something. What was that? Well, I, he shared quite a bit, which I was happy about. But, it was, it was but here's one thing that he does. And I don't know, Steve, if you remember, he talked about how he looks at a piece of material. When he has a new idea, he circles it like it's a drone, right? He looks at it from above. He comes down. He looks at it from the side. You know, like he, he wants to write about every version of it close up back far like he's yep. on the moon under a microscope and that allows him to you know look at all the different things about it he thinks about what would its voice sound like what you know what i mean so you know that is really a good lesson about writing stand-up is not to just have one and done on a topic so you know if you're he he's got this great routine about pop tarts you know and how it blew his mind as a kid and then he beefs it out in fact somewhere there's a New York Times profile about the Pop-Tart routine, okay, about the writing of the Pop-Tart routine. And that has become now, he's very shortly, he's got a movie coming out on Netflix called Unfrosted. And this, you're hearing it here inside, about the Pop-Tart routine and about whatever, and it's packed with cameos of all kinds of people who, it's already shot and they're editing it now, but I would say within, you know, 30 to 60 days, we're going to see the Unfrosted movie coming out on Netflix where, you know, yeah. a lot of his stuff is. Yeah. And, and, and you know, what's amazing about him is that, uh, you know, usually when someone, uh, a comedian gets into the movies or has their sitcom, it's very difficult for them to get back and stand up again, to get their chops back again. Very. And as a matter of fact, if they do it, they don't last long. He's still just as good or maybe even better than what he was before the sitcom. Yeah. I think he's better for a few reasons. He used to be very buttoned down, right? He used to be, you know, kind of the thin tie, the sleeves rolled up. And, and you know, he was a funny writer and all that. But he kind of, once he had a wife and kids and, you know, you get humanized and whatever, I think he's just, he's revealing a little bit more, you know, in, in, in his storytelling. Yeah. And also, he did tell me one time that as great as being having a sitcom and getting that fame was, it was essentially a nine-year commercial for the thing he likes to do most, which is to walk out on that stage and yep. captivate an audience for two hours, right? So he he really, really never takes it for granted, you know? Yep. Look at that, Pat. Hey, yep. Susan Tay, we'll say it again. Now, you're not yep. the Susan. You probably had to deal with a lifetime of 
the Susan Day from Partridge Family, but we know you're the Susan Day that is the Ken Ken Wall's best friend, which is tonight's theme. Oh my God! All right, so I'm gonna go register Ken Wall's best friend dot com. Oh, send that over to the Webby Award. You do that. You yeah. do that. You should be a Webby Award nominee for your top 10% of being the podfather. People hate me though. is the problem. So not with all those best friends. That's what's helping cover up all your flaws. He says, that's why nobody likes you. (laughs) That's right. Nobody likes why. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you to whoever's listening or sharing. We very much appreciate it. If we become a award-winning podcast because of this, uh, I will mention each of your names, not just Susan Day, on the podcast. Well, I'll read a big list of all of Ken's followers. <laughs> you guys are you guys are awesome. Hey Pat, Don't my best please. to you. My best to you. And you know what? Uh, you have a great chance, and I hope you get it. But if you don't, you're the you're you're the best in our minds, anyway. So. Uh, thank you. Well, I I hope to join you and Debbie on your co-hosted show. One We're of these. We're gonna have days. you on soon. Okay. Thanks. Right. Thanks. And don't you don't you guys leave. I'm gonna end the live stream. Everybody watching, one more time, go to patvotes.com, www.patvotes.com, and submit your vote for creativity in captivity. It'll take you right over there. It takes three seconds to go over there and get registered and, and vote. Please do that. And share this live stream out so everybody you know. Can, can watch this and get some laughs. You guys are hilarious, Pat, Steve. And I am honored to call both of you a friend of mine. And I thank you both for being here tonight. This has been fun. We'll see you guys later. Have a great night. Thank you. Take care, Pat.